0: What do you guys say we start a new sermon series? Um, never done this before. Never done a sermon series on a gospel of, of Jesus. The book of Mark is what we're going to go through. Um, I think I've told you guys this too. I started memorizing this book back at the beginning of 2020, and I'm still like, Like, I've kind of done it, but the the repetition and the review is is kind of where I've been just memorizing this whole gospel. Um, And I knew at some point, I didn't start with like, hey, I'm going to do this memorization and then I'm going to make a sermon series. out. It wasn't like that. I just wanted to do it for my own. But I knew at some point I'd probably want to speak on it. And I think this is the point where I'm like, okay, I've kind of lived with this, internalized this for over the past uh, three years, and so I want to I want to kind of speak in on it as as I've just kind of been drenched, absorbed it. So we're going to start a sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, and I don't know how long it's going to take us. I think for sure over a year, sixteen chapters. Um, but we're just going to kind of go section by section, and we'll we'll just walk through this this gospel. And you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, we're going to spend a long time in this book, right? And Again, never done this before, never done a whole gospel. Um, but I was like, okay, if we're going to like enter into the story of Jesus here, as told by Mark, and this doesn't have to be fully answered this morning, but the question would, would be, I would put before you kind of at the beginning is, what would be an outcome for you? What would be kind of a vision, maybe a goal for you to kind of consider that if we're going to get through this book, at the end of the book, right, you would be like, okay, we, we, I accomplished, changed, grew, learned, understood. What would what would that be for you? And again, this doesn't need to be answered here on the spot. I don't even know what it is for me. Um, but again, just kind of, uh, you know, I, I know we're at the end of the football season for, how many football fans do we have here? We have a few football fans in here. And, you know, when you start at the beginning of a season, you kind of have this goal of championship, playoffs, like all those sorts of things. You're kind of aiming towards that goal, even as a fan, right? You're like, oh, man, I hope my team does this or can accomplish this or win the division or whatever. And I was just using a little bit of that same paradigm to think about this gospel of Mark. Like, okay, we're going to spend a little bit over a year in this book. What would that be for me? What would be that championship, that Super Bowl, that kind of... Um, moment of, of victory, what would that look like? What would my vision be? So I'm going to keep this this particular slide up for probably at least this first month for us just to kind of consider. God, how would you want to shape me through this? I'm not here just to give you guys a lot. Of, I mean, we can just talk about all the information and the specifics and, and the, the nuance of Mark. That's, I mean, that's, we can do that. You know, how how does this community need to be shaped by this book? So, that's kind of my, like I said, I just kind of wanted to open with that this morning. The, the book of Mark, um, so this was something that I learned new. I, I don't know if I even knew this, uh, who, who Mark was. I don't know if I've ever paid attention. I've been memorizing the book for three years. I never thought to think, actually, who wrote this book? John Mark was a contemporary of Peter, okay? His name was actually John Mark. A couple references that we pick up in the book of Acts is um, after Peter's put in prison, uh, he, he gets released from prison, and then he goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So people were gathered and they were praying for Peter to be released from prison. He gets released from prison, and he goes to the house of Mary, which is the mother of John, Mark, right? So this is Acts 12. You pick up a little bit later in that chapter. Barnabas and Saul finish their mission. They return from Jerusalem, and... Um, and then they, they're taking with him John, also called Mark. Again, this, this man called John Mark. Now, John Mark's story isn't always, uh, you know, this story of hero, heroism and, and, you know, like this wonderful man. Um, this is Acts 15. So this is kind of when Paul and Barnabas start to do ministry. Paul and Barnabas, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns. We preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing, right? So Paul's like, hey, let's go back and do more ministry. Barnabas wants to take John, also called Mark, again our friend John Mark, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had con- and had not continued with them in their work, right? This is the, I think we've probably heard this story. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, right? Barnabas takes Mark and sails for Cyprus. Paul chooses Silas, uh, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria into Sicilia, strengthening the churches, right? So. Whatever happened, John Mark at some point um, abandons uh, Paul, right? Deserts them. And Paul is so mad about this that he says, I'm going to go do ministry, but I'm not taking this guy, right? And it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's in some senses, it's kind of a low light of the Bible. And in some sense, it's a beautiful moment in the Bible because the Bible just shows that like, man, this is just humans really trying to figure out how to get along. There's disagreements. Um, it's, it's not easy, um, so we see this kind of around this guy John Mark, who ends up writing this this, this uh, Gospel of Mark. Um, the interesting thing about this, though, most commentators will say that it doesn't stay like this. There is reconciliation in this. Um, at the end of 2 Timothy, right, Paul's writing these letters to Timothy. Timothy's his kind of protege, his his I guess intern, his you know this, this young pastor he's bringing up. And he's writing one of his final letters. He writes to Timothy, he says, do your best to come to me quickly, right? Timothy, come, come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So this guy, Demas, leaves him. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke w- is with me. And then he says this, he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So at some point, at one point, Paul's saying, like, I don't want, want to do any ministry with him there's reconciliation we don't see that necessarily in the scriptures there's not like this beautiful passage of you know they are running through a field of clovers and embrace each other you know but at some point we understand that that paul is saying like hey go go get mark because he's very helpful to me in in this ministry so we understand that mark this kind of contemporary of peter he's one of peter's friends Um, We learn this, too, from an early church father. It's kind of a long slide quote. But there's an early church father named Papias. And Papias says this. He says, The elder used to say, Mark, in his capacity as Peter's interpreter, wrote down accurately as many things as Peter recalled from memory, though not in an ordered form, of the things either said or done by the Lord. For he, Mark, Neither heard the Lord nor accompanied him. Mark is not like an original disciple, He's not an original apostle, right? Mark is a contemporary of Peter. Mark neither heard the Lord nor accompanied him, but later, as I said, he heard and accompanied Peter, who used to give his teachings from the Sharia, which is these kind of short anecdotal sayings, right? That, the, that he would use, these, these maybe short sermons, but had no intention of providing an ordered arrangement of the the logia the sayings of the lord consequently mark did nothing wrong when he wrote down some individual items just as he peter related from memory for he made it uh, his one concern not to omit anything uh, he had heard or to falsify anything and then this early church father says matthew kind of put the logic put all the sayings and an ordered arrangement in the Hebrew language, and each person in, interpreted them the best they could. Right? So you kind of have this early conversation. This happens in about the 130s, so about 100 years after Jesus has, has died. They're trying to say, like, okay, this is how this book came about. This is how Matthew came about. Right. If you want to kind of know the author of Mark, in some senses, you could probably say it's the Gospel of Peter compiled by John Mark. Right, so John Mark travels with him, does ministry with Peter, listens to Peter, um, and then he he takes all of the sayings of Peter, all the teachings, the sermons, his interactions with the Lord, and he makes this book called Mark. Um, the date and the location, it's uh, there's, I mean, finding exact dates is is really difficult. Anytime you're like, okay, well, when was this book written? Most generally, at some point in the sixties, and the scholars would generally put it in, in the book, I mean, in the city of Rome. And it's mo- it could be, you notice how it's toned towards a Gentile or non-Jewish audience. When we go through this book, you'll notice Mark will talk about Jewish customs traditions. One of the ones that he'll talk about is washing of hands, right? And then he almost does like this kind of bracket aside of saying, well, this is why the Jews wash their hands, right? So he's often... Writing his book to, to a Gentile, non-Jewish audience, this book just moves so fastly. Again, this word immediately. You'll see it, for, again, immediately. And then right after that, immediately. It happens 41 times in the book, which is, again, about two and a half times per chapter. right? So it's a very fast-moving book. Um, it just keeps going. It's 16 chapters. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll spend a good amount of time our, our pace won't be an immediately style pace, but we'll we'll get through it. Had some good rain this week? Yeah? Got some more rain coming next week? Um, I've been thinking about, I mean, obviously with, with all this this rain on the brain, uh, and I think the heavy rains, did anybody see the, the rain coming this week? Got some heavy rain coming this week. Yeah, there's a big storm coming. Yeah, with, I think, I mean, I think some of the rain we've had was like, long drizzle with a little bit of rain. I think we're going to get more like heavy rain with with heavy rain. Um He's predicting a hurricane. A hurricane? A hurricane. That's what he says. Who I says this? Southern California. Who says this? <laughs> My brother. Oh, your brother. He now lives in Texas. Okay. like <laughs> Oh, what? Like, it's like where you have hurricane winds and like all the dams No, YouTube actually. YouTube. From what? Actually, it's from YouTube. YouTube, but right no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In some sense, I, okay, so I've been thinking about this word drenched, right? And the reason I want to talk about drenched is, well, let me tell you. When was the last time, turn to somebody next to you, when was the last time you were drenched? Can you think about that? Last time you were drenched? shower <laughs> Not a shower. You can't, like, oh, yeah, I took a shower. It doesn't, okay, it doesn't have to be the last time, it just could be a memory of you like, oh man, I remember at that point I was drenched. Uh, is this Physically. So water, no. slime, if you ever made it, if you ever made it onto Nickelodeon's, what was that show? Uh, uh, Double yeah. dare. Double Dare. <laughs> With ride. Uh, no, like it was. Oh, pouring rain. Okay. We went after work and we just booked it to Splash Mountain. Yeah. And I mean, there was nobody there. Yeah. yeah. Drenched. <laughs> Anyone? Any memories? Drenched. <laughs> oh, come on, Calico, Calico Rapids. There it is. There's number one. Oh, yeah. Right. It's oh it's, it was Bigfoot. We were both right. Yeah. San Francisco is totally unprepared. Just got caught out in a rainstorm. Yeah. Walked a lot and I was drenched. Yeah. That work? Well, yeah, night night shift all week, all week. weekend. Oh weekend. Yeah. Yeah, he works outside. And they give him a little ten by ten. Yeah, ten by ten easy up. We can try to hide under the wind. In the wind. Yeah. I, so there was one, you know, in Pennsylvania, there was an a amusement, amusement park called Hershey Park. Same idea, right? It's like somebody just copied and pasted the ride in uh, Knott's Berry Farm. But do you remember when, I don't know, I have memories of a kid, like, this was like the zenith of your time to an amusement park, and you just had your shoes, which were waterlogged and squeaky and everything, and you're like, yeah, it's the coolest thing. And I'm like, uh, can you guys just want to go on up by yourself, and I'll watch you and do the little the little blow you know what i mean i don't want to get drenched yeah i don't want to get drenched anymore uh i was thinking to my first mountain bike race uh that i did i think i was 13 years old and it was dumping rain i'll never forget it was and i'd never done a mountain bike race before and my friend's like yeah hey, you should do it and it was at blue marsh dumping rain I, I thought i heard you talk about mud something with what were you saying Yeah. 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 I love that California doesn't believe in that inside um, my I I just remember my first mountain bike race. Again, I, it just poured, poured, poured rain, and like that East Coast heavy rain. And you know, sure, go do the mountain bike race, and the mud and the rain and everything. I'll never forget being drenched at that point. Um, I ride my I have that little indoor stationary trainer. Anybody do like any sort of indoor? Workout, and again, just the the sweat, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Okay, drenched, water-soaked, all this stuff. The opening chapter of Mark, this kind of opening verses, drenched in the reality of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Okay, we are going to see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit just drenched in this area. So, Bibles, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. I better hustle up too because there are a lot of kids in that room back there. <laughs> My wife will not be happy if I do a long sermon. Yeah, just. Although, I think most people in this room would be happy with that, wouldn't you? It's like, oh, yeah, let's just kind of we'll take our time, read the Bible for a little bit, get another cup of coffee. Anybody want to start it off? or sure. beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way? The voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the whole forgiveness Straps those whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See that a lot of people that water and get soda? Soda. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit, Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days. And he tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And the angels attended him. Thank you. And again, you see, I mean, right there at the very beginning, you're going to see that uh, at once, right? Which is that kind of phrase immediately. You know, we're seeing that, you're seeing that happen there immediately. You're seeing Mark use this language. Um, let me see how much time we, we can make, if we can make it through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The This kind of opening stanza, kind of being drenched in the Father, right? Again, Mark is, is structuring his opening lines here. He's drenching us. He's saturating us. He's, um, he's just laying the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all together in these opening verses. And I kind of put the Old Testament too, because we we have the the Old Testament The was the Bible. It's helpful for us to think about the Old Testament as the Bible that Jesus read, right? He knew it, he quoted it, he relied upon it. It was the revelation of the divine, of, of Yahweh, Israel's God, Israel's father. And this whole opening, again, verses drenched in, Kind of the Old Testament, the story of God, the reality of God, as was revealed um, to to the Israelites, to the Jews. So you have this in the beginning, right? You have the, be, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as soon as you hear that word beginning, like almost everybody, Christian or non-Christian, like, oh, the beginning. Whenever you hear that word beginning, what do we automatically think of? What's What's that? Genesis, right? In the beginning, right? So you have Mark using this kind of similar phrasing, right? The beginning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think about that kind of reference back to, to Genesis um, 1.1, the, the creation narrative in the beginning, right? So automatically, again, sometimes we don't hear this stuff, but the, the early writers, authors, are always kind of drawing, pulling these things together. And you have this narrative of, again, beginning, creation, Beginning, this this kind of recreation, new creation, creation, so to speak, 2.0, right? You have like, okay, there was a creation and then you have the, you know, you have the beginning, the creation, then you have the beginning. So you have a little bit of this kind of play going on that, that Mark's playing with. I'm going to get back to this. I'm actually going to close with this, some of these thoughts here about this kind of creation, recreation, because I think that that's really where he wants to start and really kind of lay out his gospel. So you have him. Kind of tying in Genesis. <laughs> it's a hand, it sounds like a handful back there. <laughs> just take just take them out to the park. Let them run wild. Um, you have the beginning. You have, um, and then he moves into this kind of you know in the the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet. So now he starts moving into the prophets, right? And this prophet is it's kind of a, a triple layered quote, so to speak. Um, it's, it gets a little bit of Exodus, right? Where um, where Yahweh's speaking and he says, I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way. Um, so I'm going to send someone before you. I'm going to, per- right? And then it says in Malachi, I'm going to send my messenger who will prepare the way, right? And then this, a voice of one calling in Isaiah, the pro- like Isaiah, right? I will prepare. So he, Mark is using, again, this, this, he's drenching us in, in Genesis, he's drenching us in the, in the prophets. And he's speaking specifically here about, about John the Baptist, right? And I found a like I found what I think is the best image, modern day image of John the Baptist. I'm gonna show it to you right now. This guy right here. I know he's a little bit hard to see. Anybody know what this guy does? Yeah, yeah, if anybody guesses it. The boat, oh, said it looks like setting up for concerts. you're close. Here we go, you ready? And it's, I mean, this is John the Baptist right here. A modern example of John the Baptist, right? This, here's maybe a better picture. A red carpet installer, right? (laughs) This is who John the Baptist is, right? I'm going to send a messenger ahead of you. I'm going to send somebody ahead of you who is going to, so to speak, roll out the red carpet for Jesus, right? John the Baptist, the great, you know, Jesus says there's no one greater in the kingdom of God, than John the Baptist. This is the this is like the pinnacle of greatness. Is a red carpet installer on is it award season coming up? I don't follow all this, right? This is the greatness right here. I love this example of John the Baptist being like a, a red carpet installer, right? And 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 Jesus says he's like the greatest in the kingdom. So you, you know John's role, right, is 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 kind of just this he's rolling out, he's preparing the way, he's rolling out the red carpet, and he's doing it in the wilderness, right? In the desert region. Now, when you think, again, an, another, we might not make this connection, but as soon as you say desert reason, region, as soon as you say wilderness, the Israelites mind, the, the, they would just say, oh, the, the the wilderness, the desert region, right? That's That's Exodus language. That's the Exodus narrative. And he goes out to the Jordan River. He's, he's most likely kind of doing these, these baptisms somewhere here around Bethany, right? So again, the Jordan Sea of Galilee up here, uh, Dead Sea, the Jordan River that flows through. All this was the promised land, right? So the Israelites, as they come out of the Exodus, as they come out from Egypt and they do the 40 years of wandering, this is the boundary, Right, And they come from this side out here in the wilderness, in the desert region, and they come into this land um this this beautiful land, so to speak, the land flowing of, of milk and with milk and honey and it's interesting that john is is going th- so okay I, I don't know if this is showing it, but John's going in some senses in some senses John's going this way, right? Think about it geographically, John's going this way, almost out towards the desert region, right. And my thought on that is in some senses John is going, he's like taking a step back because he's gonna bring the people forward, right? We always heard like, okay, you gotta take a step back to actually go forward, right? When you think about, okay, going this way is is kind of going the wrong way, right? This, especially right here, Jerusalem, right, this is where the renewal, this is where things should happen. As a matter of fact, A handful. Power. They all needed a mental, mis- just a mental break. It was getting to be a. So he you know, again, if you wanted to do renewal, if you wanted to start a new movement, you would do it here, right? You would do it in Jerusalem. You wouldn't, in some senses, go back out to the wilderness. Right, The wilderness is kind of, so to speak, where God wasn't. Right, God was... I remember James. He's asleep in there, but James Says yeah. <laughs> so it is the best church in the world. I'm telling you that right now. No other pastor is actively preaching a sermon and simultaneously listening for a six-month-old son. I guarantee you no, other, no one else is doing that this morning. Um, so you wouldn't go back out here into the wilderness. You would make your renewal movement. You would start your movement here in Jerusalem or somewhere in, in kind of the center. Tim Gombas, in his commentary, points it out like this. He says, the temple was the center of Jewish life, the place where heaven and earth met, where Jews encountered the God of Israel and found forgiveness. If there was to be any sort of renewal, right, any sort of movement, surely it would begin at the temple, the place where God lives. John's call away from the temple, right, into the wilderness was an implicit judgment on this central Jewish institution. As Mark progresses, we will see how Jesus is the new temple, Right how, We'll see how Jesus is a new temple that replaces the old. Mark's point here, however, is that God is not found in the temple, but may be encountered in the desert, taking that step back. This is an early sign that Jesus' agenda is going to involve a serious challenge to the status quo. right? So Jesus again is, is, is and John the Baptist rolling the red carpet out in the wilderness, in the desert. Um, Where are we going next here? You know, the kind of prophets part two, I I tried to look for the the best version. I don't know if this is the best version of John the Baptist. Here's a picture of John the Baptist. He he looks a little different. This kind of idea of, you know, it says, the Bible says, and he wears clothing made out of camel's hair with a leather uh, uh, belt around his waist. And he is specifically, again, drenching ourselves in the Old Testament, Old Testament, the story of Yahweh. This is Elijah language. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, right? He goes before the king, and before the king, right, he is wearing hair and a leather belt around his waist. This is exactly what Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, would have done, right? So you have the beginning language. Here I kind of summarize, you have the beginning, this kind of creation language, you have Exodus, you have wilderness language, you have the promised land, you have the Jordan River language, you have temple, you have kingdom, you have prophets, you have exile, you have all, again, just really early, you see as Mark's laying this out, he's laying it out, drenching us in this kind of story of the Old Testament, the father, Yahweh, as he's revealing himself. Is that what you think John's wearing there? Pajamas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. I needed that mental break too. I need one more. Okay. We get the story that he drenched in Jesus. Right now, obviously, we're we're moving into the story of the gospel about Jesus Christ. Right. We get into the bat, the next section is about as John says he's rolling out this red carpet for Jesus Christ right we have the baptism of Jesus Christ and then we get right into the temptation as the spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness so we have again we just have this early kind of pickup of of Jesus 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 Jesus, drenching us in Jesus this baptism piece why is Jesus baptized right do we think about this or is it just kind of oh yeah he just kind of why is Jesus baptized consider, like, how baptism functions, which a little a little side note into the side note here. I think we're going to do a baptism here at the end of the month. I think we, it's, it's you know, I, I know that there's a couple people have reached out to me and I think, anyway, a little side note into the side note, want to get a baptism together here at the end, end of the month or early February because I think that we need to talk about that. But think about how baptism functions, right? If if you've been baptized or you've never been baptized, for the most part, you know, you you commit your life to Jesus. You say, I've sinned. I've made a mess of my life. I've messed things up. I need your forgiveness to make me whole. And then you go into the water, right? The water is the symbol of kind of dying to that sin, right? And as you are washed, as you kind of come up out of that water, You are raised up and you are drenched in the love of Christ, the Spirit of God. But why does Jesus have to take this step, right? It's not like Jesus said, yeah, I need to go die to my sin in the water. I need to encounter that forgiveness. Why does Jesus go out to John and do this, right? The tricky question to think through. um, I think one of the, the better explanations I've kind of found along the lines, a guy named Jason Meyer puts it like this. He says, Jesus is identifying with the need of the people that he comes to save. And I love how he says this. He says, before we could identify with Jesus in our baptism, Jesus, he had to identify with us and all that we had done as sinners in his baptism. I think, it, I think of it succinctly as the step of initiation. And we've talked about this a lot, how Jesus, how God is always the one that initiates movement towards humanity. Right? Jesus is the one that initiates his love, his forgiveness, his identification with us at, at the beginning. Right? He doesn't come and say, "Okay, all you sinners, let's round it up and get you baptized." He takes this step primarily. Right? Before we can understand this, Jesus says, "I'll identify with you." Right? It's it's the whole story of Christianity, which is, you know. Religion will say, here's all the steps that you need to take to get to God. And Christianity will say, here's all the steps that God took to get to you, right? It's the initiation piece where, where Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, is moving and identifying himself towards us. All the steps I've taken to get to you, right? So we're drenched uh, in kind of that Old Testament, that, that father story. We're drenched in Jesus. We're drenched in the baptism uh, and then there 's this last move, and I think we 're just wrap it up we 're drenched in the Holy Spirit, right The Holy Spirit will drench the followers of Jesus, right John says, "I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you. He will drench you with the Holy Spirit, right The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus with affirmation the spirit the heavens are torn open, the spirit descends like a dove, and says, "This is my son whom I love right and then the Holy Spirit sends Jesus into the desert, sends Jesus into the desert to be tempted. It's often noted, and I think we'll just make the note, it's not the Holy Spirit that's doing the temptation. The Holy Spirit's just saying, you need to go through this. You need to walk through this this journey, right? And we know that the Holy Spirit sometimes leads us through difficult times. And it's not the Holy Spirit saying, hey, let me see if I can mess you up. But the Holy Spirit's saying, we're going to go through this. I'll be with you. But um, we have to go through these these temptations, these trials, these difficulties, right? So last thing I kind of wanted to say is I wanted to come back to that creation and recreation piece um, because I think that Mark opens his gospel. I think that this is a great, one of the great paradigms to just kind of think about the gospel and to think about life specifically, the kind of creation and recreation. Um, we We have two things happening, right? We have that word beginning, which we looked at real briefly, right? But then we also have this kind of baptism. And we have this this dove kind of hovering, fluttering over the waters. Again, creation, recreation. Tim Tim Keller, in in one of his books, kind of notes it like this. I think this is just a little bit of a summary, too. Um, He says, during baptism, right, you have this image. Jesus getting baptized. Heavens are torn open, right? Spirit descends on him like a dove. In the sacred writings of Judaism, right it's called the targums which is kind of a a little bit of a side commentary on on um on the the scriptures he says only once do you have the spirit of god likened to a dove he says in genesis 1 when the spirit is hovering over the deep waters right before creation happens right and and the targum actually says the spirit of god fluttered over the face of the waters like a dove now I think I would just put it like this because uh, we'll we'll end here. On a macro level, right? On a global, on a universal, on a big level, the creation, right? Which we kind of started off, this creation, right? Genesis 1 that has been distorted and spoiled by sin is beginning again in Jesus. We see the beginning. We see the spirit hovering. We see, you know, on a macro level, everything is, there's new creation creation 2.0, recreation, like the cosmos itself is being renewed in Jesus, right? We, we believe that. Like, it's not just like, hey, you know, he just came to help me out individually to become a nice person. No, Jesus' global plan for the renewal of the whole cosmos. And then we think on this micro-individual level, right, that we, you and I, at one point, we were created. Look at that little baby girl. How old? How many months? Almost two months. Created, right? James was awake. (laughs) That's a question we all had on our mind at the moment at this point in the sermon, Johnny. That was what we were thinking. Uh, Like, we were all created, right? We all had a start point just as, you know, as baby girl did. We all had that created moment. Man, we sit in this room distorted, been spoiled, damaged, broken. Sin has somehow snuck into our hearts and our minds and our soul. And then we have this great hope that we find in the gospels, right? That we are being recreated by Jesus. There is a new creation that's happening in us, right? So wherever you are on that journey, right? And again, the gospel of Mark is going to show the life of Jesus bringing that new creation, that recreation, that creation 2.0 into the world, not only to the world, but then into our lives. You and I, right? Wherever you are, there's something that's in your heart. There's something that's, you know, kind of broken. There's something that's hurting. And Jesus is, is bringing that recreation. Maybe that's like, you're thinking like, you know, going back to that original slide. Yeah, here. That's far back. Man, if I had a vision, if I had an outcome, there's something that's, kind of part of my creation that's been broken, that's been marred, that's been distorted. That's not right. Over these next weeks, months, to see the power of Jesus, the Spirit of God, recreate me, reestablish me, reroot me in His love, in His grace, in His mercy to heal, to bring back to life. Maybe there's something that just kind of plays in your head over the next couple of weeks months to see this again this theme of creation recreation jesus is initiating inaugurating this brand new creation globally macroly cosmos right and all the way down to you and i all the way down to the tiniest of infants is is being recreated i think that's about all i got for this morning let me say a word of prayer we'll do a little um discussion In Jesus is what we all wait and long for individually, systemically, globally, the whole cosmos. The recreation, the rule, the kingdom of Jesus taking hold. If there's something, you know, maybe we're fighting through, we're battling through, we're really struggling with, that's a part of us, part of our creation that's just been distorted and marred. And, and maybe we want you want to recreate us more into your image, a new creation. We open our hearts and our minds and our souls. We ask and we beg and we need that kind of change in our lives. Thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. We look to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, just a couple questions. Uh, Praise, pushback, problems. Can you think of a vision, outcome, goal as we journey through Mark? Again, I'm just going to keep that up for the first couple weeks. Was there something in this teaching that surprised you? Like I said, I was surprised to, to learn about John Mark. I had never <laughs> been a pastor for 20 years. I, I don't know. Never thought about that or just studied that aspect. Uh, why do you think John Mark was so intentional to include Father, Son, and Spirit in his opening? Is there something you would like to see recreated in God's image? Again, macro. It could be a political, an economic, systemic. Um, it could be micro. It could be a relationship. It could be a personal sin. It could be a past pain, hurt, hang up, those sorts of things. Um, But yeah, just take a few minutes and and discuss some of those questions and uh, we'll have a little conversation and then we'll wrap it up.